Hi, Lisa. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. What's going on? So we are recording our little weekly update today from two different locations. Why don't you tell everyone where you are this week? Uh, yeah, we are actually headed home from the beach. So we had a nice week at the beach, uh, the, the Delaware uh, beaches. So we are, we are headed back. Um, and you are, we are also, this is our first time doing this remotely. So hopefully, hopefully it works out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What, I'm in, what about you? I'm in Columbus um, for a couple of days visiting my best friend, Amy, um, since childhood who had neck surgery. So I wanted to come in and see her and spend some time with her and Jenny, my other oldest friend. Um, and uh, yeah, Columbus is great. So always love Good. visiting my hometown. That's so awesome. I'm in her quick basement trip, right? recording. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Lisa, how's your running going this week? Uh, it's good. It's been, you know, we're at the beach, so we're away. So it's a little bit change of routine, um, but it's going well. It's been hot at least the last couple of days. So that always, you know, makes us have to adjust our training and adjust our paces. And um, my son, Alex, is actually, he is getting ready to race in the road race amateur road race national championships on Saturday. So he's so had a cool. training schedule this week from his coach. And so he's had a lot of cycling to do. So um, we've been kind of alternating the days that we go with him. And so I've been incorporating a lot of cycling into my training this week to, to train with him. And I was just telling him this week, like his workouts now are, are challenging for me. It used to be that I'd go out with him and, you know, it would be an easy, easy ride for me. And I kind of be waiting for him. And now I'm hanging on to the back of his wheel and trying to keep up with him. So that's been doing some cross training this week because getting some cycling and to help him get his training. Now, does it feel different than other weeks? Because you generally cycle a lot every week because you teach. So how does it feel yeah, different yeah, outside? Yeah, funny. it's funny. It's definitely, well, the heat is one. And, um, you know, Alex's workouts that his coaches have, has given him are actually similar to workouts that we give our runners, uh, especially the week leading up to a race. So they've been, uh, we did one earlier in the week that had some VO2 max intervals. Uh, and, um, and, uh, we did one today that had some tempo in it and tomorrow he actually does an easier, like kind of a shakeout ride tomorrow. So, um, so they're a little bit different in that. Well, first of all, they're outside. We have a lot of wind here. So one way, one direction we're going, we get a nice tailwind and the other one we turn around and the wind acts as our resistance and actually makes the, makes us work harder. So that's something you obviously don't get in a, in a cycle studio, um, so it's, it's just different types of workouts and obviously being outside and, and having to work with somebody else on a workout is a little bit different than, than indoors. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's comparable. So I was just thinking about how, since I've gotten some, usually when I'm here, I bring my bike and I'll get in a few cycling workouts, but they're just easy rides. Um, so I feel like I have gotten in a few kind of structured cycling workouts this week. Nice. nice. Yeah. And, and what about you? Let's talk about you. You're, what are you doing? So um, last week we talked about how my doctor gave me the go ahead to start running. And so I took it easy last week and uh, did some walk run intervals, um, incrementally building from 25, 30, 35 minutes every other day. And this week, um, so on Saturday, last Saturday, I 
walk ran the um, prostate cancer 5k for my friend Sherpa Ken Early, who is the president of the Montgomery County Roadrunners Club. We did a team in honor of him and it was great. And our team Sherpa stars, we all did the 5k and initially I planned to walk run it, but uh, classic mom move. I realized that I only had so much time to cross the finish line for this race and then jump in my car and get home because I had to, get my daughter ready for her dance recital. So it wasn't really intentional, but I realized it would be a little bit easier for me logistically if I could just slow jog this thing. So I slow jogged the race and I just prayed that it was the right move because it was probably a little bit ambitious of me to go from walk running to suddenly slow jogging. And for me, slow jogging, I was doing like steady 10 to 11 minute miles. So it was it was really comfortable. I was chatting with my friend Renee the whole time and, and taking it very easy. And um, I walked a couple of times just because I felt guilty. And um, I crossed the finish line in 30, I want to say like 31, 32 minutes, and then just jumped in my car and I got home just in time. So I was hopeful that the next day when we coached on Sunday, I wouldn't be sore or anything. And thank goodness I wasn't, which was a great sign. So I, we had a great, um, we, we had a great session on Sunday, Lisa. I know you were at the beach, so I'll fill you in because we've been talked since then. And um, it was great. Our runners really crushed the ladder workout. We had a couple of complicated level tiered ladder workouts, and um, everybody got it. And the purpose of a ladder workout is to moderate, learn to moderate your paces so you're not running the same fast pace for every interval, but rather you're learning the difference between what it feels like to run a 10K pace versus a tempo pace versus a 5K pace versus two-mile pace. And so everyone was doing that. And not only that, but everyone kind of looked at the workout initially like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And I'm telling you, Lisa, there were so many people who pushed into their uncomfortable zone and really crushed it. It was really impressive to watch um, and, and fun to see people do things beyond their wildest expectations on the track. I love that. I love that. We've seen so much progress from those runners, all of our runners on the track yeah. uh, throughout the season. I, I love how we've seen, and we, we've talked about this before, but even in the first four or five weeks, we saw such a change in form. And while we'd stand on the track, we wouldn't have as much to criticize or, or critique, you know, constructive criticism than we did the first few weeks. So that was a big jump there, just seeing everyone's form. And then um, we have seen in the you know, in their workouts and, and when they sync to their workouts on final surge, we've seen that, that everyone's learning how to pace properly and, and um, hitting their paces out and, and hitting the different um, zones that we've, that we've asked them to hit uh, really well. So it's, it's, we see it like in black and white, we see it when they're running in front of us and we see it in their workouts, we see their progress. So that's, I, that's why I love this program. Yeah. It's really fun because it is a, a, a pretty short turnaround in terms of first day versus uh, big progress just a month later. So it's, it, you're right. It's super fun to watch. And then after the workout, um, we had a, we had a great strength session um, with um, Tyler, Tyler Weider. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was fantastic. He's so, from powertrain in Rockville. Yeah. Which is a great, great facility that works with um, all, all sorts of athletes, but uh really, I think, has a good grip on, on performance and, and helping uh, runners, high school athletes, adults, youth, really figure out uh, what they need to do to get stronger so they can perform in their sport. Totally. So 
like the previous workouts that we had following our track workouts, you know, we had Eric come and, and um, then we had Tammy come and now we've had Tyler come and that's three weekends in a row where we've had some really challenging body weight workouts. And I think everyone really enjoyed it. And so, varied too. Everyone has you know, kind of brought a different, a different approach and a different, um, some different exercises that all of our runners can incorporate into their, you know, pick and choose and incorporate into their, to their own routines. Yeah. And I would say that the takeaway for all of these workouts that is the same, even the workouts are varied is form is so critical. Yes. It's better to do three push-ups really, really well than to try to rush through 10 because you want to get as many in as possible within the one minute Tabata workout, for example. So um, form is always better than, um, quality is better than quantity. That's And focusing, say. focusing yeah. on that form. And that's what Eric talked to us about with time intention yeah. with really focusing, spending that time with your muscles engaged and focusing on it. So you're, you're right. Yeah. Cool. So, um, okay. So I got a little derailed. So then back to my running this week after that race, when I didn't feel, I, I, I waited a, a day and then, on Tuesday, I ran again, and I ran a little longer. I didn't stop, and I got up to four miles, and I felt fine. Um, I'm still going at a very easy pace. I don't want to push it at all. I never would consider pushing it, but I'm so um, grateful that I'm able to get back out there and, you know, run four miles, and I talked to my PT about this, and I said, you know, the walk running thing, it's, it's a little hard for me right now. I feel like with the way I'm running, I feel much better just running slowly and steadily versus stopping and walking. And he said, you know what, at this point, it's about how you feel. So if it feels better to do it that way, and it's not bothering you the next day, keep doing that. So that is awesome. my plan. So um, I'm just going to stick with every other day and adding incrementally a few more minutes each time. And if I feel a little sore, then I'll skip and, and wait a couple of days because progress with uh, recovery is never linear. You always reach a point where you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the woods. I'm, I'm ready to progress. And then all of a sudden something happens where you have a little bit of a setback, whether it's a little swelling, a little pain. So I'm monitoring this and expecting that that, that may happen to me based on what everyone has said about this injury, but I'm embracing the good days. So I'm really, really happy that I can get back out there and just go for a run. It's just That's great. Wonderful. Well, you've been patient for a long time. It's not like you're jumping back into this before you should. So you, you've followed all the rules and you've done all the steps and done all the things. So it's not like you're going into this unprepared. Correct. Yeah. So I um, plan to be at Suds and Souls um, on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to the race. I know you'll be there too. And many of our yeah. runners and, um, I'm going to, I'm going to run it. I'm obviously not going to race it, but I'm going to, I'm going to do the race. So good. Well, it's good for you to get back out there and be part of the race excitement and be on the course and, and participating. So that's awesome. Yeah. And we do have a good number of runners doing it. It's an interesting um, race because it's in the evening. So that's always a little bit different and a little bit different preparation. And we've sent out race prep to all of our runners who are doing it, but anyone else who may be doing an evening race, which there are uh, a lot over the summer, especially uh, when it stays light out later, uh, you know, nutrition is one, one thing that can be really tricky. It's hard to figure out how to eat and what to eat. Um, so we've, you know, worked with our dietitians that we work with that have given us some tips and we pass those along to our runners. Like 
really your breakfast that morning is kind of the, the last instead of dinner being the last, you know, relatively large meal that you have before your race, your breakfast is. So shifting that focus to your breakfast and then spreading out some smaller meals throughout the day to keep yourself fueled. And then about an hour and a half before the race, having something that has some carbs and isn't going to upset your stomach um, and staying hydrated, especially because it looks like the weather is going to be good for us and not as hot and humid as it normally is, but it's still an evening race in the summer. So staying hydrated. So that's sort of a little bit, you know, a little bit of a different, uh, uh, considerations for, for a race than, than our typical morning races. Yeah. And also, um, I think it's totally fine. I know there's a lot of people who just really don't enjoy not doing any running on a, on a lovely Saturday summer morning and don't want to wait to run just the race at night and may want to get a few easy miles in, in the morning. That's totally fine. I think that's, um, there's plenty of time between the morning and the evening. If you're someone who just wants to get out there and feeling a little anxious about the race to a shakeout run, a shakeout run. run. And, but one thing I, I really feel strongly about, and I know so many people do this. So maybe, um, I know everyone's different, but, uh, doing a big long run the morning of the race and then trying to actually race, race a race is, it's really probably not the best idea. Even if it feels okay that night, it, it can lead to problems down the road. So especially for those who are sort of early in the marathon training cycle, if you're planning on doing an evening race like Suds and Souls, maybe just do a 5K or 10K distance in the morning and not the whole long run because even if you can do it, it's, it can cause some issues, particularly with respect to overuse injuries by trying to race something on the heels of a long run. And it sounds like common but your sense. muscles are fatigued. So you yeah. know, your muscles can be fatigued and you're not going to have the best form and you're trying to race. So, and the same, the same line, uh, you know, if you're trying to do a long run over the weekend, doing it Sunday morning after you race a 5k Saturday night, also not the best idea. So maybe you skip the long run for a week or maybe you shift it um, to Friday and um, do the long run Friday morning so that you have almost, you know, 24 hours plus another like 12 hours to recover, or you shift it to Monday, trying if you, if your schedule permits to try to do that. Otherwise um, it's also okay. I think to add in some easy warm up miles before the 5k to get a little bit more mileage. Yeah. And then if you have time, add in a few cool down miles. So at least you get a little bit longer run, um, but it's also okay to skip uh, one long run and make it a kind of a recovery week in terms of your long run and then pick up with the long run the next weekend. Or if you can't bear to skip your long run, you can always just get out there and run the course easy and have a really right. fun night and drink a beer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we are super excited this week to welcome our dear friend, Aaron Linton, who's also one of our virtual coaching clients. And Lisa, why don't you share a little bit about Aaron? Yeah, well, Erin, first of all, is just a, a as you know, we, we both have known her for a long time now, is just a phenomenal person and also a really dedicated runner and accomplished runner. She's run 17 marathons, I think, and very accomplished and uh, someone we've coached for a while. And she's also very diligent about getting in her workouts. And, uh, you know, we'll usually see her workouts come over on final surge. Sometimes she'll text me to say like, hey, this, you know, did this workout or maybe add some comments. But usually she, you know, we communicate via email. And we see her workouts on final surge. And uh, back in January, I think it was, uh, I was uh, with my kids one afternoon for their afternoon training at Cycle. And I was getting the, the their, my kids and their teammates set up on their bikes and I saw my phone ring 
uh, with Aaron's name popped up. And I thought that's kind of odd. Aaron doesn't usually call me, especially in, you know, in a, on a weekday evening. Uh, but I couldn't quite get to my phone because I was in the middle of something. So I uh, texted her back as soon as I could get to my phone and said, hey, you know, I'm just getting my kids set up for cycle practice, but I'll, I can give you a call shortly. Is everything okay? And the response that came back was actually not from Aaron, but from her friend letting me know that, no, everything was not okay. And Aaron had had an aneurysm and was in the hospital. And that was actually an extremely uh, shocking moment for me. It's a, it's a moment I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, and, you know, I kind of dropped everything and left to go give, give her friend a call. And um, she had, in fact, Aaron is a healthy, healthy, youngish, you know, our age. She's our age. So uh, she's uh, no history of anything um, with her personally, now we found out that, you know, she has some, uh, in her, in her family, she's had, the, the, she does have some, some history, some family history of aneurysms, but, you know, it, for her, she's been very healthy and always going to you know, doctor's appointments and on top of everything. And it was just really a shock to hear this had happened. So we have now gone with her over the last six months through her recovery. You know, thankfully she was, she caught this early, her husband, got her to the hospital very quickly. And, and she'll tell uh, the rest of the story. Yes. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it, but uh, she's just, we've been able to watch her through the whole process. And she, when we talked about doing a, a podcast with runners uh, or, or individuals who've used running to overcome really challenging circumstances, she was one that we immediately thought of. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really great interview and we're really glad that we were able to chat with Erin and grateful for her time. Um, and, and for her sharing her story. She's very, Erin, um, we should say, is a very private person. And I think, you know, for her sharing it is, was not easy. And, but she also knows that sharing it um, could help somebody. And I feel like we should add one thing before we take it to Erin. And that is since recording the podcast after she relayed her story to us, she realized that she needed to set a future goal. So she committed since then to registering for the Richmond Marathon in November. So yes, that is yeah. something new since we recorded last week. And um, she said it was partially because she had a chance to sort of hear herself retell the story on the podcast and it, it motivated her to set a new goal. And we, we are really excited to help her train for that and prepare her for that race, which we know she will, she will rock. So anyway. Absolutely. To be continued, we're going to turn it over now to Erin and Lisa. I'm so glad you had a great trip to the beach, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday evening at Suds and yep. Souls. See you then. Okay, thanks. Bye, Lisa. Bye. Erin Linton, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Thanks for having me. We're Go ahead. <laughs> we started saying the same thing as always in stereo. Lisa and Julie brought to you live. We're so excited to have you here. We saw you this morning on the track as part of our speed and strength program. Yes. So, uh, so we got to spend some time with you this morning. And we wanted to have you on this podcast because we know you firsthand to be an inspirational runner who has overcome some very recent and pretty significant obstacles. Uh, so we are really glad to have you here today and uh, wanted to start with just telling us about kind of your, you and um, you know, who you are, where you live, your family and your background in running. Cause you're a great experienced, very experienced runner. So why don't you tell us a little bit? Uh, well, like, you, like 
you already know, I didn't start off as wanting to be a runner. Um, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I moved to Maryland in 97 um, because of work. Um, soon after I met my husband um, and started building a network of friends, which consisted of his friends, um, his friends and their girlfriends. And I decided I wanted to build my own life here. So I wanted to meet my own friends. Um, decided to um, try my hand at running after running one time with him. Um, I was never a runner, never an athlete um, in New Orleans. I went to the gym. I was kind of a gym rat. Um, I loved well, I'm not going to say I loved it, but I did step aerobics um, <laughs> pretty pretty regularly um, and decided I didn't want to do step aerobics anymore because it hurt my knees, um, of all things. So I decided to try my hand at running. I found on the internet um, team and training, um, Leukemia, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and decided to run my first marathon, uh, which was New Orleans. Um, because I'm from New Orleans, so I wanted to get wanted to go back home, wanted to, to have my friends and family at the finish line, so I thought it was a great idea, and hopefully I would meet people. And um, did you go straight from no running and step aerobics to a marathon? Exactly. Go big or go home. Go big or go home. <laughs> I had run once with my husband, um, and it was pretty funny because during that run, um, it was maybe a mile, uh, we probably walked half the time because I wasn't really into it. Um, like I said, it wasn't about the running for me. It was friends. I just wanted to meet people, which was weird because I don't know what made me think I would be talking to these people while I was running, <laughs> but I thought it was a good idea. Um, so I did my first marathon and I did my second marathon, which was Marine Corps and met three of my best friends. So it, it worked. Um, so did you uh, train with team and training for your first marathon and your second marathon? My first and my second was with okay. team and training. And how, how did you feel? Obviously, you did it again. So how did you feel during your first marathon running in your hometown? It was great to finish. Um, I got really excited um, to see my friends and family at the finish line, but it wasn't something that I thought that I was going to ever do again. Um, but then I decided because my friend Nicole, when, the first friend I met, Nicole, she um, she was going to do it again. And I said, well, I guess if I want to see her again, I need to do a marathon again, too. So we signed up for Marine Corps. And that time she was my coach. And we met Diana and Stacy, who became really good friends. And we ran Marine Corps. But what got me was I built this friendship and I wanted to hang out with these girls. So we stopped doing team and training and we started to do our own thing. We started to meet at Starbucks and run from there. So we met at the Capitol Crescent every single Saturday, um, and we decided to just start signing up for races, uh, marathons, 10Ks, um, 10 millers, whatever was available. So we would meet at Starbucks. We would run um, Capitol Crescent maybe five miles, and then we'd have coffee for like two hours. And Did I went you have on kids and on. yet? No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't have kids. So that went on for years, and we um, did many marathons and many um, races together. And then the kids came, the families came, the injuries came, um, moves came. My friend Nicole, I'm sorry, my friend Stacy and Diana, they moved away. Um, Nicole got injured, Diana got injured, and finally I was left kind of alone. Um, so I needed to find more friends. Uh, I needed another network. And although we, I remained friends with them, 
Um, and we run, we've run some races together, but it's kind of dwindled away. Do they all still run? Stacy still runs. Um, Nicole is kind of running, and Diana is a yoga teacher. Okay. Um, so, so but we, but we all ran a 5K for Stacy's birthday. So oh, it was great. Um, so after that, I just decided to go on the internet again and found uh, Montgomery County Roadrunners. And with Montgomery County Roadrunners, I started with the speed and development program. And I was hooked because I got faster. And before it was all about, you know, friends and coffee, but I didn't realize that I could actually get faster if I ran consistently. So that was a new thing for me. Um, actually running more than one day a week, more than Saturday. So I trained. So when you trained for the marathon, did you only run on Saturday? I ran twice a week. Wow. I, ran, I think it was a Tuesday and Saturday. Wow. Yeah. And you were young. It was pretty yeah, You were young. I was yeah. running. Uninformed. Young, kind of not smart. Yes. But you did it. I did it. Okay. It was fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't fast, but it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And it got me out the door. Um, and it made me realize that. This was like a great place to live. I mean, I loved all seeing all the trails and the adventures, and I never would have started running had I not done that. So, so you started with Montgomery County Roadrunners, and you got the training bug in addition to the running bug, and you started to get faster. Yes. And so, um, tell us, compare your first marathon versus the marathon after you train for real what were your times? my first marathon was 504 my best marathon with marie what montgomery county road run is was 352 awesome 353 yeah like that. So so power of training yes big big difference and you also then met a whole new network yes met a whole of new network friends. of friends um i soon after speed and development went into first time marathon program and that's when i really really got excited i eventually started xmp and then decided to get my um, coach, coach coaching certificate. certificate. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, um, my coaching certificate. My coaching um, certificate, and that really, really made me want to run even more. Um, that's when I did my two ultras, um, and I only I did it not be, again not because I wanted to train anybody, but just because I wanted to get better. I wanted to even go even faster, run even farther, and um, I did that. And that's what we should put in a plug for the Roadrunners Club of America uh, certification program, which we did as before we became coaches. But it's such also a great resource and a great program for anybody who just wants to learn more about running, about their own running. So, yeah. So you started running more marathons, running smarter. You got your coaching certification. And did you stay consistent or at some point did you stop doing marathons for a little while? I stayed consistent until 2014. 2014 um, is when I ran a 352, and mm -hmm. I kept getting injured. Mm -hmm. um, and I was training smart, but I just kept getting injured. And I know it was because I wasn't doing strength, strength training. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing strength training. I wasn't uh, cross-training. I was just running, mm -hmm. running and running and running. I was running a lot, a lot more than I did, you know, that first marathon, which is two days a week. Mm -hmm. um, so I started getting injured and I started to dabble into swimming and biking um, and a little bit of strength training. And then I started trying to do triathlons. I had never learned to swim um, as a child and swimming took a lot of time. So I stopped, not completely, but I 
stop running as much and I started swimming a lot. And so you learned to swim as an adult? I learned to swim at 42, I guess I was. And how did you, what type of program did you seek out to learn to swim as an, as an adult? This is different than someone trying to um, fix their stroke or hone their swimming skills. You did not know how to swim. I did not know how to swim. I've had at least 10 swim instructors, so I can't mm-hmm. even remember them all. But in my lifetime, about 10 people have tried to teach me how to swim, which I know how to swim now, but swimming is just not fun. So for um, but, people but listening, great. for people listening, if you, if you are in that situation like Erin and you don't know how to swim, what advice would you give someone? To, this is a little off topic, but this is not something that comes up a lot because there's a lot of people that don't admit I didn't know how to swim. So mm-hmm. tell our listeners if they're in your shoes, they, what, would you look for in an instructor if you had to go back and how to go about that? The first um, instructors that I went to were at Rockville Community Center. I think that's what it's called. Um, and it was group training. And I did well in group training. Um, but when I got on in one of 101 situations is where I really started to thrive and really started to swim. And then once I got the basics, um, I was able to go back to the group swimming and learn a lot more. And I've had different teachers and some teachers, they would um, give me a bunch of drills to do. And some instructors would give me a bunch of swimming intervals to do. I felt like I learned better with the intervals because it was more like running. Mm-hmm. It was like running on the track. Um, and it wasn't drills that were mimicking swimming. Mm-hmm. It was actually swimming Swimming fast, swimming slow, swimming 400, I mean, 25, swimming 50s. That's when I really So learned. building your, your so swim. building endurance. it is what it really yeah. helped me. So it, it depends on a teacher. It depends on um, what your goals are. Initially, my goal was um, to swim. And then I got interested in triathlons. And I tried to do a tri- triathlons. And I did one triathlon, um, but open water was a different beast Mm -hmm. and it was nothing like swimming Mm -hmm. in the pool. So I went back and Mm -hmm. looked at what my, um, what I enjoyed Mm -hmm. and really what I enjoyed was running. So in 2016 or 17, I decided to stop swimming, um, so much and concentrate back on running. And that led you to us. Yes. Okay. And tell everyone. Well, what before then. before I, before I tried to do it on my own, mm-hmm. I tried to um, go back to what I always knew was run, mm-hmm. run, run. Um, I was older. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how old are you now? Forty eight. Okay. So you look twenty. So you were about forty five at the time when yes. all this is going on. So okay. I came back to running, and I. Try to do it on my own. I tried to go back to the basics, run, 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 and I was getting injured again. So then I remember seeing you at um, the 10 miler, Annapolis 10 miler, and that race I've always done every single year. I've done it since I think since I've moved here, and I've had good races and I've had bad races. That was the worst race, and it wasn't because of my time. Um, it was because I didn't enjoy it. And that's when I knew, okay, Erin, you need to get some help. And that's when I reached out to you guys. And we've now been coaching you for quite some time and gotten to become friends with you too, which is really awesome. And so up until January of this year, how many marathons had you run? 
17. 17 marathons. 17 marathons to ultras. Yes, to ultras. So very experienced runner, great client to have. You always, you're like so good. You get in all the workouts, you do everything. You've had a lot of achievements in the past few years. So let's fast forward now to that that uh, afternoon, that morning actually. It was the morning in January, right? Yeah, and, and why don't you... Tell us, tell us what, what happened. We're training, you know, we coach you yes. and we actually have a online training log called final surge and you were doing your workout that was going to then sync to the, to final surge to let yeah. us know. Actually, can, I, can I back up Yeah, the year before that? Um, I would say last year when you guys started training me was my best year. Um, I went from not enjoying running, um, to it actually enjoying it again. I, um, did my 17th marathon in December, right? December, yeah. no, November, yeah. um, November of 2018. And Richmond. Richmond. Yes, and was it wasn't my fastest, but it was the best one because I stuck to the plan. I paced really well. I felt amazing when I finished. I felt amazing the whole entire time. After Richmond, I was able to do with half and I was able to get under two hours again, which I hadn't done in a very, very long time. So then fast forward in January. So point being you're in yes. great shape and great had shape. come off the heels of um, an over 40 PR yes. as well as a, a half marathon yes. PR. Good point. And yes. then you're on the treadmill in January, yes. one month later. One month later. Okay, so set it up for us. <laughs> I'm on a treadmill um, in your basement, in my basement, because it's icy outside and I can't run outside. And my workout was, um, heel repeats. Mm -hmm. And I remember texting Lisa and, um, saying, you know, how do I do heel repeats on the treadmill? She was like, don't worry about that. Just do a little bit of speed if you want to. I said, okay, that's fine. And on the treadmill, I don't go as fast as I go outside because I'm clumsy and I might fall down. So I knew I wasn't going really, really fast. I'm on a treadmill and I'm into the workout and it was six miles I was supposed to do and 3.6 miles hit. And all of a sudden I had a headache and it was a kind of headache that knocked you off your feet. Um, I literally stumbled. Um, it was that bad of a headache. I looked at my watch. I saw 3.6. I said, okay, let me finish I'll make it to four. So I started running again. Oh my God, this is a true runner. runner. <laughs> Gotta round that off. Gotta round it off. So I started running again. And immediately I got really dizzy to the point where I almost fell off the treadmill. So I slowed it down. Before I could even get it all the way off, the back of my head started hurting really, really bad. Like to the point where I couldn't stand. Um, I bent over. I got off the treadmill. Um, I always turn the power off. So I bent over to turn the power off and I just couldn't get up. So I'm laying on the floor and I'm like, what is going on? The back of my neck hurts so bad. Um, that's the only thing I, I could keep saying to myself. It hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. I um, laid on the floor and debated just laying there for a while, but I knew something told me I needed to get up because my husband and my kids were upstairs Um I needed to get up because I needed to get to him to tell him something was wrong. Um, I knew it wasn't a normal headache. I crawled up, crawled out of my basement upstairs, uh, woke him up, laid on the floor and just kept saying, it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. He's like, what, what hurts? I'm like, my head hurts. I started describing to him my symptoms. I told him I had a headache. I was dizzy. 
the back of my neck hurts. He starts Googling, um, cause that's what he normally does. And he says, is it a migraine? And I said, I don't know. I just said, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts so bad. He said, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, I don't know. It hurts. He said, do you want Tylenol? I never take medicine. Um, I said, sure. He gave me two Tylenol. I laid on the floor. He starts Googling. He said, I think you have an aneurysm. And in my head, I didn't say it to him, but I said, there's no way. People who have aneurysms die or something. And why serious. did you think of that, that people because who have aneurysms die? I, because I wasn't dead and because I knew people in my family had had aneurysms and they were dead or mm -hmm. they have um, serious problems. Um, so I didn't think that I had an aneurysm. I thought that maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. So finally, um, he got me off the floor. Um, I took a shower and we eventually went to the hospital. I, initially, I wasn't going to go to the hospital. The one thing that made me go to the hospital was that I couldn't turn my head. Mm. I couldn't move my neck. And I knew if he left me, um, I would be stranded at home and I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, so we hopped in the car. My kids were still asleep. He shouted to them, I'm taking mommy to the hospital. Um, I'll be back. Um, the one thing I always think about is that in that moment, I had so much pain that I didn't tell my kids bye. Um, I mean, granted, you know, I'm here to talk about this, so I survived. But I always think about that moment that I didn't tell them bye. Um, so now I make sure I always tell them bye when I walk out the door. <clears throat> but I, um, we got in a car. We went to Shady Grove. And before we went up to the hospital, I told him, drop me off, and I'll um, walk in. Because I couldn't stand in being in the car anymore, I was too, I was in too much pain. So I went in the hospital, and um, they immediately took me back. Um, Six thirty in the morning, Shady Grove was empty. So in case you, Shady Grove is a local <laughs> hospital. Yes. yes. So I went in, and um, I sat at the desk, and the lady she was asking me questions. I don't remember what she was asking me, but I just kept telling her, "Can I lay down? Can I lay down?" She said, "No, you have to talk to me." So my husband is texting me, tell them you have an aneurysm. So I held up the phone to her and I said, my husband says I have an aneurysm. I still didn't believe that, but I just, and I remember her saying, okay, you still have to talk to me. I and love that you, in your moment of pain, still <laughs> qualify it. My yes. husband's wrong. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he's did, crazy, but <laughs> this is what he's saying. Um, Dr. Google it's so, happens to be right. She... Um, takes me back. I don't remember exactly what happened. Every that day it's kind of fuzzy. But I remember being on a either at, on an MRI table or a, um CAT scan table and laying there, which it didn't seem like very long. And then when I sat up, um, I'm walking out and the tech is walking behind me. And um I mean I've been to I've gotten X rays several times and they never tell you anything if you ask them, you know, is it broken? They always say, well, I can't read it. But this guy, he was walking behind me and he said, you have blood on your brain, um, which was <gasps> odd because they don't usually tell you yeah. anything. They usually wait for a doctor. And I turned around and I looked him in his eye and I said, what, are you talking to me? And he uh -huh. said, yeah, you have blood on your brain. And I said, no, I think I'm dehydrated. He said, well, maybe you are, but you also have blood on your brain and you need to um, have an emergency brain surgery. Wait, the tech tells you this? The tech told oh, me stop this. It. Yes, this was in, I wasn't in a room. Oh I was, we were walking towards a room. Um, he said, you have to have emergency brain surgery. And I said, where's my husband? Because Tony had never, they had never brought him back. 
I thought he was still parking at home, okay. as far as I knew. So um, he brought they brought me to a room, and I don't remember much. The next thing I remember is um, a curtain pulled back, and it was my husband. And I remember the look on his face. He was, it looked like he had just saw a ghost. And I sat up, and I said, "Did you talk to that guy? Mm -hmm. Did he tell you I was having brain surgery?" And he said, "Yes." lay down. And then I don't remember anything else wow. from that day. But they said that I was very alert. I made a phone calls. I, I can Lisa. tell you. So I actually pulled up the text here. So this is from Tuesday, January 15th at 5.03 PM. And I was with my kids have a, a on a cycling team and they have their indoor cycling practice. And I was helping set the kids up on the bikes. And I saw my phone ringing and I saw your name and I know Aaron will text me or email, but I don't usually get a call from her. So immediately I did, couldn't get to the phone because I was helping the kids, but immediately I texted you and I said, all okay. I'm at kids cycle practice at gym, but can go to the lobby to call you back. And the response is no. This is Shanita, a friend of Aaron. She wanted me to let you know that she had an aneurysm this morning. And I have to tell you, I just sat there in utter shock and my stomach dropped. And I looked at the coach and I said, I have to leave and I have to make a phone call and I'll be back to help you later. And I ran down to the lobby to call her. So I ca called immediately and she answered your phone and told me what was going on. But then she said, Erin wants to talk to you. <laughs> and I said, I don't think she should talk. Like, Just keep her still. And she put you on the phone. And the first thing you said to me was, I didn't get to finish my run because I got this terrible headache. And you're only going to see part of the run on the workout. And I was like, Erin, don't worry about the run. But you're trying to explain to me why I would only see. And it was very interesting because we get when our runners do workouts, we get a notification that says so-and-so has done the workout and we open them and we look at the workouts and we look to look at the paces and distance and heart rate. And I usually save them to the end of the day when I can sit down in front of my computer and really look at the workout. So your workout had come through earlier in the morning and it was still an unread message. Well, if I had opened the message and saw Erin had only run 3.6 miles out of her scheduled six, I probably would have said, hey, you know, everything okay, what happened? You cut it short for time. But I hadn't opened that email yet until I you know, was going to do it when I got home at night. So you, we had a full conversation. You sounded actually very coherent. And I kept saying, you know, please just let us know what we can do. And you were, it's okay, but I just wanted you to know why I didn't finish my run. And last thing. So yes, we did have a conversation. Yeah, the next day he's like, who is Lisa? You kept saying... Call Lisa and tell her I didn't finish my workout. I guess because I was habit for me to tell you, you know, if I didn't finish a workout or what happened during a workout and it didn't happen. So yeah. subconsciously I needed to do that. Yeah. You sounded very lucid, but, but you were on your way into brain surgery. Yeah. So, so it didn't start until 4.30 and I only know that because that's when my, somebody took my garment off. Um, but I made phone calls. I talked to my son. I talked to my neighbor. Um, I've heard, you know, from different people that I talked to them and what I said, uh, which you still have no memories, no of that. memory of that. Wow. Um, my first memory is, um, I do, I do remember. So those same girls who I met through team and training were at the hospital with me, um, including my friend Shania. And I do remember, I guess it was after surgery, them coming in two at a time saying they, they only let two of us in at a time. Um, but I don't remember what, that's all I remember is I remember two sets of people coming in saying they're only letting us in two at a time. Um, and then the first memory is me waking up um, and my husband was laying on the floor um, in the hospital and I woke up and I asked him, did I have brain surgery? And he said, yes. I said, did they cut my hair? 
you say no. <laughs> so that's so I would have asked the same thing yes. for sure. <laughs> now tell us what kind of surgery you had because it was, you know, there was so yeah, there's different types of surgeries. There's you can have. two types that um I guess were offered to me and I actually had a conversation with my surgeon that I don't remember. Um, but clipping um, would have been them going in and clipping the aneurysm. So they cut off the blood circulation or what I had, what was called coiling, where they go in through your groin and with a catheter, they put in tiny platinum things inside of the aneurysm so that the blood doesn't come out. So now your aneurysm hadn't, so there's a difference between an aneurysm and a burst aneurysm. I mean, there's Right. That's, so mine ruptured. Yours did rupture. Did right. Rupture. So that's why you had the blood on your yes. brain. So blood was coming, did come out. And so that's how I got the blood in my brain. Right. But it didn't. Um, how long did they think you had this aneurysm? They don't know. Okay. So you could have had it for a long time. I could have had it for a long time. And you mentioned you have a family history. Is yeah. that something that um, can impact an aneurysm or is it a random thing when multiple members of the same family have it? No. You can have them, um, but it doesn't, just because mine ruptured doesn't mean, let's say if I had a kid, just because mm -hmm. mine ruptured doesn't mean that theirs were ruptured, uh -huh. but it is hereditary to have them, Okay. Uh, which I didn't know I had them. And I also found out from my surgeon that um, the one that I had was five millimeters, which is not large. Uh -huh. um, they usually, if they know you have one, they'll monitor but they don't necessarily have to do anything or will do anything unless it's large or there's something wrong with it. So they wouldn't have, even if there's no telling that they would have done anything had they known that I had one except monitor it. Got it. Do they know what caused it? No. Nothing. Okay. So now we are, you had the surgery mm -hmm. and what happened during the weeks to follow your surgery? Um, The weeks after um, the surgery, I had to stay in the hospital for um, at least um, two weeks. Even initially, they told me three weeks um, because they have to monitor my vessel veins, uh, which are the arteries in my head. Because after you have an episode, which is essentially a stroke, you could have another one um, within seven to 12 days. So uh, every other day, they were doing an ultrasound on my head which actually was really nice. It's kind of a massage. Okay. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, but, it's the least you can get, right? But it, they did that every other day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They were doing that. And they had to monitor my blood pressure. Um, they were not giving me blood pressure medicine, but my blood pressure was going up to 200. Wow. Uh, and they were allowing it to go up to 200 to make sure everything worked. Okay. Um, and it did. Um, so I was thinking up. A lot of other pain medicine, a lot of other medicines for things. But I stayed in the hospital for two weeks. Um, Were you impacted cognitively after the surgery? Did you notice any difference in how um, you thought, your thoughts, talking, anything like that? No, I was okay. lucky. I was very, very lucky. Um, they kept every night, several mm -hmm. times a day, they would come in and um, give me tests, mm -hmm. ask me who's the president. Uh, what's my name? What's mm -hmm. my birthday? Make me smile. Make me raise my arms, my mm -hmm. hands. Um, and luckily, I didn't have any problems. Um, they also made me walk um, around the nurse's station. And that's when I realized how serious it was because I was the only one on my floor who could actually move um, without anyone's help. 
Wow. Uh, and I didn't realize that when I, I was the first few days, I was just in the bed. But when I started walking around and seeing the other patients, meaning everyone else on your floor had some, else, yes. okay, had the same thing had or something thing. related. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's when I realized how serious it was. Um, and that's how I realized how lucky I was. But when I got home, um, the one thing that was still a problem was my I was my brain was cerebral dumping, uh, which meant that it was dumping the salt from my brain. Um, it's normal for it to happen, but mine occurred for a longer period than they wanted it to. Um, so I went home with um, a lot of medicine to control the sodium in my brain which also made my blood pressure really, really, really high. So it was a balance and act because mm -hmm. I was then on blood pressure medicine to control my blood pressure, but the salt made it go higher. Um, so that went on for probably another month um, until I was actually weaned off. And I had to, during that time period, I had to continually do blood tests to make sure my um, sodium was in line. I did blood tests in the hospital too, but even after leaving the hospital, I had to do blood tests like every two weeks to make sure my sodium levels were okay. So you're recovering at home. Mm -hmm. This big thing happens to you. And knowing you, you wanted to just get your life back in order. And knowing you, you wanted to figure out when you could start running again. Mm -hmm. Was there a part of you that was scared to run given that this happened while you were running? Yes. And how did you get through that? And tell us about... Well, tell us what too happened? about your... your your discussions with your physicians about running. Cause I'm sure that's something I know that's something that you brought up to them and what, what was, were they receptive? What was their feedback? Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty prevalent in, on the floor who I was and what happened. I mean, nurses and doctors, you know, when they came in, they all knew she was running on a treadmill and this happened. Um, so my, my surgeon actually during my discharge, she asked me, I never brought up running to her. I didn't want to seem, you know, bossy or like I was crazy or, um, you know, the crazy about her. I just think about getting running back. Or that I wasn't taking, you know, what happened to me seriously. Right. So I never brought it up to her. And during my discharge, she asked me, what marathon are you running next? Oh. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, why not? And I said, I just assumed. And she was like, well, why would you assume? I, I'm the one who's been telling them they need to make you walk. And she was like, I was like, yeah, you're right. She said, no. She said, you do what feels good. She said, if it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. She said that running and living a healthy lifestyle is what saved me. And had I mm -hmm. not been running a runner, no telling what would have happened to me. And I wouldn't have lasted this long. Wow. Um, so no, she, she and my... Primary care are both heavily involved in my running schedule. Um, I see them all the time um, and they always ask and I tell them and I show them what I'm doing and we talk about it all the time. So no, they're very happy um, with it and they're very supportive of my running. Well, let's talk about your transition back into running, how long it took. And So when I first um, got home, I after a few weeks, I started walking, uh, walking around the neighborhood and I wanted to run, um, but I was scared. I had some PTSD. Sure. And you um, always walked with someone else, right? I always walked with mm -hmm. someone else. Um, I had neighbors come over. I know you had over. Lisa um, White my, come over. Uh, my, um, yeah. my son sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I always walked with somebody else because mm -hmm. I was kind of afraid of what would happen. And I stayed in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to venture out. And I always took my phone. 
Um, and Lisa came over. That's Lisa, Lisa Reichman. Reichman. Lisa Reichman. <laughs> um, and I was telling her, you know, yeah, I want to run, but I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and she said, well, let's try it. And so we ran down the hill and walked up the hill. And it was amazing. Um, it was very humbling. Uh, I It was like surreal. It was, I was extremely grateful that she was there to witness it um, because it was, it was like, it was a miracle. Um, it was this thing that I had, I felt like I had a lot of pressure on me. I felt like I wanted to do the right thing. I didn't want to hurt myself. I know people were supportive of me and some people thought I shouldn't be running. Mm -hmm. um, but I struggled a lot in the beginning with, you know, did I do something wrong or did I not do something wrong? And my surgeon and my doctors have beat me over the head saying there's nothing that you could have done to change the outcome. It happened. And in fact, being healthy and having yes. run really helped you. You did prehab right. essentially without exactly. knowing so, it. Right. So, but you still have that feeling that, you know, you did something wrong and I couldn't get over that part. And in that moment when I ran and I was okay, that went away from me. Um, I have to say that was probably one of the like most amazing coaching days for me to be able to run. You know, we run with people who are running fast races or trying to qualify for something, or we run with people who run their first 5k and to be able to run with you that day and see that you could do it and be there with you. was like, left me on a high the rest of the day. So it was really meant a lot. Yeah. So, so what happened from that day when you ran your first block? So then I was excited. And then what happened? <laughs> but I still wanted to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, so I ran walk for weeks, um, I would think. And I, you know, coach what you guys coach me to eventually um, come up to just running uh, consistently. Mm -hmm. And even now, sometimes I still have to walk mm -hmm. and it's okay. Um, before a year ago, I would have gotten down on myself mm -hmm. and I would have beat myself up if I couldn't run the whole way, but I'm just happy to be able to run, uh, whether it's slow, whether it's fast, whether it's walking, whether it's running, I'm just so grateful to be able to do it because I love it. And it has helped running has helped me be me again. Um, I feel like, you know, some people may not understand that because they're like, you're hurting your body or you're expending too much energy, but running to me is like knitting or it's like feeding your soul. It's somebody, your, yeah. you know, who loves therapy. to, yes, it's, it's therapy. You know, I cry when I run, you know, I, I, and it's fine because that's my outlet. And if I wasn't able to do it, um, I think that recovery would be a lot harder. So now you, now we're about six months out. Almost, yeah, almost, almost less six than six months. months. And you're not only running, but you are running fast intervals on the track and caring about your speed and your times again. Now that you're at a place in your running where you're exerting yourself, was that also a hurdle to get over going from walk running to casual running to then the, I can't talk, I'm running so fast running. Was that an, an additional hurdle and how did you handle that? Yes. I just take it day by day. And you're still adjusting meds. And so you used to have some days that are you still trying to figure that out. So some days. Yes, I have good days. I have bad days. Um, I have days where I wake up and it's a great day. And then later on, it's bad. I have days where I wake up some days and it's not a good day. 
And on those days, I don't run. On those days, I sleep more. Um, sleep has been a saving grace. And I've learned to manage the new me. I know that I need eight to nine hours of sleep. It's like, it's like medicine now. And as long as I get that, I'm good. And as far as running, I did, I did have some, um, some trepidation about running faster because I knew it would expend more energy. For example, today, um, I was supposed to do 5k pace, but since I am adjusting meds, um, and I wasn't, it wasn't a great day. You know, I talked to Lisa and I decided to go a little bit slower. So I just take it day by day and I just don't beat myself up. I mean, that's the real thing. I just don't beat myself up. Yeah. Well, look at your progress from six months ago where you were a little less than six months ago to where you are today is, is amazing. Do you feel like you're in a place now where you want to set running goals? Kind of. Yes. <laughs> and it's what? like, I want to, mm -hmm. but I really, my biggest goal is to get my fitness back. I'd say you achieved that goal. Yes. Seeing you today on the track, hauling ass. Yeah. You, you've gotten your fitness back. Yeah. And the days that you yeah. have your good runs, you yes. can see that your yeah. fitness is yes. there. And the days that your meds are affecting your performance and how you feel, then that obviously, you know, then it's harder to see those days, right. but those days that you have good runs are good runs. Right. So you're, you you're fit back. Yeah. So yeah. tell us, um, now that you've been through this, what advice do you have for people who, who have, who this happens to, what advice would you have for them? I'd in be interested to know specifically what advice would you have for somebody who was very a strong runner or strong at something and now is having to come back at a, at a maybe a lower or, a, you know, a, no, I wouldn't say lower level, but a little bit slower, a little bit more steady. Like what, you know, I think it's challenging for people who compare themselves to pre whatever it is and post. How do you, what, what advice do you have? Be kind to yourself. I think we're our worst. Well, I know I am my worst critic and I've learned to um, be patient with myself be kind to myself and realize that this is fun. This is something that I do for fun. It's not something that I'm getting paid for. That's something that I have to do. It's something that I want to do. And as long as I keep remembering and reminding myself that and not comparing myself to Aaron of 2013 or, you know, the young 40 year old I used to be, <laughs> um, I'm in a better place. Then. That's great advice for anybody. I think even somebody who hasn't, had that something happen in their life, mm -hmm. but just somebody who maybe is feeling down because they aren't doing what they used to do, which is just be kind to yourself. Love that. And along those lines, what advice do you have for people who are supporting people who have gone through something, including an aneurysm or an, an isolated but very traumatic health event? What do you say to those loved ones who are trying to be supportive? Trust that person. Trust that they know their body. Trust that they're doing what they can to protect themselves for something like this to never happen again. And just support them. You don't have to remind them or tell them what to do. They, I know what I need to do. I know I never, ever, ever want this to happen to me again. So I know what I should be doing and just trust that I'm going to do the right thing. 
and that I have my best interests at heart. That's awesome. Well, we're so glad you're here and we're so glad you kept yourself in good health so that you could be back and that you had the, the, the presence of mind and the, the determination to come back and not let that fear stand in your way and not let that or not let anybody else with what other people thought dis- discourage you. Absolutely. That's, yeah. And I, I think, you know, you talked a little bit about your PR in 2013, 13. you know, the 352. This this is so much better than any PR is going through what you went through, coming out on the other side, finding yourself again, being able to do what you love again and do it with passion. And sharing your story too. We've, you know, Erin shared her story, been kind enough to allow us to share her story through our uh, Montgomery County Roadrunners Club newsletter. And we know that at least one, many more, I'm sure, but at least one person was directly affected by that and inspired by reading that to herself, get back after health challenges and come back and start training again, uh, putting the self-pity aside and the doubt. And it was directly because of you. So I know that by sharing your story this way and in other ways, you're, you're inspiring people. And I thank you guys for letting me share my story of course. because I think that um, I'm hopeful that it will help other people. And just the knowing um, to look at your family history and know what things can happen to you. So, And one last question before we conclude, and that is um, to any runner who's out there who's struggling right now and is down on themselves, give them a reason why they shouldn't be down on themselves. I would say, um, like I said before, this is just be grateful for life. I mean, just be grateful that you have your family, you have your friends. Um, Be grateful that you're able to get out there and do whatever you can do, whether it's running, whether it's biking, whether it's find some passion that you love. Um, If I wasn't able to run again, you know, luckily um, I had that stint when I swam and I rode my bike, you know, I, I love my Peloton now, but just find something that you love and stick with it and just, you know, be happy because some people can't do anything. It's great, Erin. Thank you, Erin Linton. Yeah, thank you. thank you for sharing your story with us. We know you're a private person and you've been very kind to share your story. So thank you so much. And we can't wait to see what you have in store this year. We're thank proud you. of you, Erin. Thank, thank you. you.